Hello and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hilary Michelle Post, and I'm joined today by my sister, Lace Mason. Hey, Lacey. Hey, weirdos. So we're recording on October 1st, so happy official spooky season. Spoop! Yay! It's like Halloween the 1st, basically. And <laughs> But let's be real, it's been like spooky season since like September. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. I keep the laptop, the, you know, the screensaver on my laptop is Halloween. And so it's finally, like, actually relevant again. Like, I'm not embarrassed if somebody sees it. <laughs> Has it just been Halloween, like, since last year? Uh, probably about four years ago. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so continuing our Tim Burton theme for this season, today we are going to be discussing 1990s Edward Scissorhands. And I was excited to do this episode because unlike most of the movies we do on this show, I wasn't super duper familiar with Edward Scissorhands. Like I could probably count on one hand how many times I've seen it. And even then I've barely ever seen it all the way through beginning to end. Why? Why? I don't know. Um, it, it was just one of those movies that wasn't constantly on TV the way the other stuff was growing up, I feel like. And then I would only catch it from like the middle I guess uh, you're just too young. Yeah, I was two when it came out. Is, yeah, I was going to say, this movie is like, are you... Are you still there? <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I was really looking forward to sitting down and taking a closer look at this one. Um, what, like, what's Nerd! your... Yeah, shut Nerd! up. <laughs> uh, what's your relationship to this movie like did you watch it when you were younger have you watched it more when you're an adult um I remember watching it a few times when I was younger but I, I feel differently about Winona Ryder now than I did when I was a kid so I was always just like ugh but for me you know Tim Burton his he knows the shapes and the colors that my eyes want to see. So it, it doesn't really matter what the plot line is. I'm just looking. Yeah. This is interesting. What was your beef with Winona Ryder? She annoys me. Oh, wait. Did she annoy you back then or annoy you now? Just this character. No, uh. I, I watched it. She annoyed me when I watched it a few weeks ago. And then when I rewatched it again yesterday, I was like, she's not so bad. You just don't like her Jan Brady hair. <laughs> But I don't know. I just I just always hated I just remember as a kid hating the dynamic between her and the boyfriend. I'm like I mean, she tries to nut up a little bit, but I'm like, come on, this guy's a freaking douchebag. Right. But we'll get into that. No. I think what's interesting about this movie too is that like in a lot of Tim Burton movies, we go into like this gothic world. But instead of going into a gothic world, we have a gothic character going into, like, a super, like, uber normal, yeah. uber normal world. So, like, it, it has his aesthetic and his point of view, but it's not as immersive as his other movies because it's not – it's going into a world I don't want to go into as opposed to going into, like – does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, I want to go into this world. That's what this entire – all my notes are. <laughs> For real. Interesting. Ah, we're so different. Y'all, we're so different. <laughs> and I hope you guys appreciate the work that she does. Like, she writes reports all the time. And I'm just writing, like, jokes and roasts and shopping lists. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> um, so, a little bit, we'll do a little background first before we get into the movie. Per usual. Um, so, the concept for this film came from a drawing that Burton did as a teenager. Of a man with long blades for fingers. And you can actually Google it and look up and see the original drawing. It's very cute. Um, the image and the character of Edward was an expression of Burton's feelings of isolation growing up in Burbank. You know, because Burton is Burton and Burbank is very do 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 you know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Quite a juxtaposition. Um, he felt like an outsider and he had very few friends. During pre-production on Beetlejuice, Burton hired Caroline Thompson to adapt his concept into a screenplay. At the time, Thompson was a young novelist whose first novel titled Firstborn 
was about, quote, an abortion that came back to life. What the? F- I know. I kind of want to find it. <laughs> of course you do. I'm surprised you know that already. Um, but it, it resonated with Burton. So he hired Thompson. And she would later go on to collaborate with Burton again, writing the screenplays for Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know if they still are or when the timeline overlapped, but I, I think she was, she dated Danny Elfman or was married to Danny Elfman at one point. That makes sense. I don't know. Maybe. I have to double check that. Some talent together right there. Right. Um. The story of Edward Scissorhands is essentially Frankenstein meets Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. At its core. Yeah. Uh, Edward Scissorhands was originally going to be a Warner Brothers production after Burton's success at Warner's with Batman and Beetlejuice. But Warner's sold the film rights to 20th Century Fox. And Warner's was all prepared to fast track Burton into production for Batman Returns or for a proposed Beetlejuice sequel. But Burton opted to focus on Edward Scissorhands first. So he stepped away from Warner's for a hot second. The film was shot over the span of three months in the Tampa Bay area of Florida, as well as some interior shots filmed in the California soundstage. The filming apparently injected over $4 million into the Tampa Bay area economy. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. So the film starts. We'll jump in. We can jump into the movie because I got more trivia sprinkled throughout. Um, the film starts with an elaborate opening credit sequence, which is like a signature of Burton. He loves an elaborate credit sequence, uh, that shows us a a glimpse of Edward's castle and the mansion, whatever you want to call it, and the machinery that made him. Then we cut to the film's framing device, where an elderly Winona writer tells the story of the film to her granddaughter. I always love Winona's, like, old lady voice. It makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, God, I hate it. And that, <laughs> I, I just see, I can't help it. I'm sorry, Winona. I worship you in almost everything, but this just does not smack for me. <laughs> I wrote, Winona's makeup was so bad, and they knew it. Smear of Vaseline and pan to the window. But then I realized, I think <laughs> maybe they were trying to keep you from seeing her face a lot. Like, spoiler alert type thing. I don't know. Right. But I, I hated her makeup. Mm. They made her too old. Too old, thank you. Yeah, they made her like the crypt keeper. I'm like, damn, you didn't have to go that hard. <laughs> right, especially when her voice, she's just still like, right. <laughs> sounds like a little kid. <laughs> so, Winona Ryder's character is telling the story of the film to her granddaughter. And she explains that an inventor once lived in the mansion on top of the mountain and he built a man. But the inventor passed away before he could finish building the man, so he was left incomplete and all alone. And his name, of course, was Edward. And we see a glimpse of Edward looking out the window at the town below. We then jump back in time and see the town in daylight for the first time. Now, keep in mind, this was a real suburb in Florida. All they did was paint the houses and, like, made the windows a little smaller to make it look a little more paranoid. Right. But this was yeah. like a real like matchy matchy little boxes on exactly. a hillside. <laughs> exactly. I was just gonna do that. Yes, I love it. I I thought it looked like it was like, you know, Rancho Ranchero or somewhere in California, like they just went through and just slapped a bunch of paint on mm-hmm. a bunch of stucco houses. I'm obsessed with it myself. Oh <laughs> you dig it? Oh my god, I dig it. <laughs> It's my worst nightmare. Like, I'd be like, I would roll into that neighborhood and be like, I'm going to get hate crimed. She was like, Drew's house right in the middle of this place. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a good effect, though. Like, with all the matchy cars and the, oh. Oh, no, that's what's perfect about it. The cars don't match. The cars are exact opposite on the color wheel of the house that they pull into. Are they? (laughs) Yes. And they all back out at the same time. It's beautiful. It's wrong with you. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, I love how how positive you see this town when the whole purpose was for it to be, like, unnerving. <laughs> I, I know, but it's not for me at all. I'm like, I would, I love this. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I think that's why I love it, because it doesn't seem realistic to me. Right. But 
So we see um, Peg Boggs, played by Diane Weist. We love us some Diane Weist on this show. This is what the third Diane Weist movie we've done? At least. We did Practical Magic and something else. What else had her in it? Lost Boys? No, we haven't done Lost Boys yet. Huh. That's going to bug me. I know there's at least one other Diane Weiss movie we've done and I can't place it. Oh, Birdcage. Oh, duh. Yeah. I love it because whenever she says Kevin in this movie, I think of her in Birdcage. Be like, uh-huh. Oh, Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> so we see Peg Boggs going door-to-door selling Avon. Um, Diane was the first actor signed on to the film. And apparently her involvement really legitimized the project in the eyes of a lot of other actors, convincing them to sign on. Um, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I can imagine, too, I was reading about like Alan Arkin, who plays her husband, Bill, reading the screenplay for the first time and just not getting it. And I, I can't imagine what it'd be like to read a Tim Burton script, like without knowing it's a Tim Burton movie. It had yeah. no context how bizarre it would be because so much of his storytelling is aesthetic that without that aesthetic you're just like what the fuck am I reading what is this (laughs) so I'm sure that was the case for a lot of actors they were probably like what the fuck is this movie that's why he seems so confused in the movie that's real yeah that's real (laughs) he's just kind of walking through a cloud like what the fuck (laughs) yeah So we see Peg at Helen's house and bless Peg's heart. She goes through her whole spiel and Helen is like, come on, Peg, you know, I never buy anything from you. She's like, I know. Bye, Peg. Bye, Helen. <laughs> I mean, does anybody hustle like the Avon lady, like MLM OG? But everybody's always like, sorry, you know, I don't have any money. I'm not, I don't buy anything. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love her line reading there too. It just kills me. She's like, bye, Helen. She just like drops the whole <laughs> facade. Then Peg goes to Joyce's house, but Joyce is busy trying to fuck the repairman. Um, who is a total that guy. When I saw him, I had to look him up and see what else he was in because and even right now, I, I looked it up yesterday. I don't remember his name, but he's <laughs> been in everything <laughs> for like two seconds. Um, so then Peg goes to another house just to discover that that girl doesn't have any money. She lets her go through her whole thing and is like, you know, I don't have any money, right? <laughs> she's like, okay. Joyce is my favorite character, by the way, in the whole movie. That's oh, she's a nightmare. Yeah, I love it. She's usually <laughs> like wearing all of the colors and she's just like this opportunistic hooch. Oh, pushy <laughs> and trashy. But this I understand. I, I like it. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, So Peg is striking out left and right, obviously. So she decides to try somewhere she's never gone before. And she goes up to the mansion on the hill above the town. She treks up the hill to this creepy-ass house and discovers there's this beautiful garden with these amazing topiaries everywhere. And she knocks at the door, but when there's no answer, she lets herself in. And inside is all dark and creepy with a bunch of machinery and weird statues and everything is covered in spiderwebs. And Peg calls out, but still gets no answer. So she goes upstairs. Very presumptuous of her. Just waltz right right up. It's one thing to come in the door. Right. She reaches the uppermost floor where there's a giant hole in the roof. Um, I love that shot, too. It's so unnerving. That big attic space with that huge hole mm-hmm. and in the corner of the room is a fireplace with a big collage made of newspaper and magazine clippings pasted inside and she hears a noise from the other far corner and sees someone crouched in the shadows she introduces herself and the figure comes forward and it's our first real glimpse of Edward and that shot is so effective him coming out of the dark is so like oh god <laughs> <laughs> So, Lacey, describe to us what Edward looks like. Um, Pee Wee Herman with scars on his face. For some reason, that's all I could see this time I watched it. But, um, oh, he's kind of lavender and cut up. And his hair looks like I cut him. (laughs) And I just, I have to know why scissors. I know. Why, Why these rusty long shears? Like, I get it if you're building, Sam and I had an entire conversation about this. Like, it went on for like a long time 
Because <laughs> I got mad. I'm like, why did he do this to him? Like, why? Like, you know, why did he give him such a dangerous, like, couldn't there, wasn't there something we could have stuck with? Hooks right. for hands, like something. And there's something you could have done. Why did he have to, like, bring him to life before he completed him? Like, I had this whole conversation. And <laughs> Sam's like, because, Lacey, he needed a companion. He created the hurt first. He's like, he mm. could talk to him and teach him, you know, as he builds him. And I'm like, holy balls. <laughs> but he's just, I don't know. He's sweet, but scary. Like, he's non-threatening at all, but obviously, you know, you got big, scary hands. Kind of shakes you a little bit. Yeah. He's got that great Robert Smith from The Cure hair. There you go. That's, that's, that's <laughs> um, and it seems like his body is like made out of leather like it's not clothing it's like that's what he's made out of almost Uh, yeah i'm very confused by that like he eats he bleeds but is he human i don't understand right we don't know what yeah i was reading different like interviews and stuff with um, johnny depp and tim burton and they like i think tim referred to him as like a homunculus you know he's not a machine he's He's just like a creation. He's just this weird in-between of things. Interesting. Because, I mean, his father is literally the inventor. He's not like a mad scientist or something. Like, I could see him building a machine, but I don't know. It's very confusing. Yeah, like the inventor who makes a machine that makes cookies, of all things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So weird. He made his millions off of making cookies. Um. So Edward, of course, is played by Johnny Depp. This is the first collaboration between Burton and Depp. And Johnny was trying to break out of his teen heartthrob status that he earned starring in 21 Jump Street. So he sought out eccentric roles like this one. Um, This was the same year that he made Cry Baby. He was trying to work with very unique individuals at this point in his career. Good call. Yeah. Um. Before Depp was attached, other actors considered, including included Tom Cruise, Tom nope. Hanks, mm, no, John Cusack, yeah, Gary Oldman, Ooh. Jim Carrey, mm. yeah, yes. Robert Downey Jr., mm. and there was even rumors that Michael Jackson was being considered. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that person of Michael Jackson wouldn't have worked, no. No. But Depp was always Burton's first choice. Um, Johnny said when he read the script, he wept like a baby and immediately connected with the themes of isolation. So it was always going to be Johnny. Um, so now that, that he's come out of the shadows, Peg sees his large blades and tries to make a hasty exit. But Edward asks her to stay. And she asks what happened to him. And he says he's not finished. And she realizes the blades are his hands. And she asks, where are his parents? Your mother, your father. And Edward says he didn't wake up. So sad. Um, Edward has scars and scratches on his face from his scissor hands. So Peg applies an astringent to avoid infection. She asks Edward his name and then declares that he should uh, come home with her. <laughs> and I, I read. I mean, what else would you do? I know, right? I read that Caroline Thompson based the character of Peg on her own mother, who would just like bring home strangers, <laughs> which is very sweet. Probably not the smartest thing in the world to do. <laughs> yeah, kind of no. dangerous. But there are just people that are like that that just like bring in strays. Yep. Or mom is kind of like that, too. Oh, uh, the posts are like that big time. Yeah, it's true. Um, so the shot of them in her car together <laughs> made me laugh. Just that jump cut of him in that little car. And they're just, <laughs> I don't know why, just the crazy juxtaposition between these two characters in this tiny car is so effective. And Edward looks around excitedly and the people in the neighborhood gawk as they drive by. And all the women in the neighborhood are calling each other, gossiping about the fact that Peg has some man with her. 
And they get to Peg's house and she shows Edward inside and they look at the family photos and Edward is immediately smitten by the picture of Peg's daughter, Kim. Winona. (laughs) Uh, Winona was among the first people cast in the film as well after having worked with Burton on Beetlejuice. Excuse me. Um, Peg gives Edward some of her husband's old clothes to put on while she answers the phone. And Edward goes into Kim's room to change, and he accidentally pokes a hole in her waterbed. But he covers it up with the stuffed animals to stop the water from squirting everywhere. Yeah, at what point does somebody find this? Like, because he's sleeping in it later. Right. <laughs> it must be like a really heavy stuffed animal. Yeah. Also, I've never seen a waterbed with a canopy before. Like, every waterbed I've ever seen has been like those big like in a box like yeah <laughs> sunk yeah, it like in. king size yeah right oh very strange. i had that canopy except it was pink when, when? I was real little when i was real little oh before yous came along <laughs> before you came and ruined everything <laughs> <laughs> didn't you have a um race car car, at a race car. it was a race car waterbed <laughs> but we just never, I never filled it, and we just liked playing in it, and then eventually, it just, I don't even think we ever put a mattress in it. We set it up, <laughs> I put all of my Avon perfumes up on the headboard, because I'm a girl, and <laughs> we would sit there and be like, meh, wah, 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 <laughs> and, and then I slept in your room. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. My dad sold it for like 50 bucks to one of his buddies. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Edward struggles to put on the clothes that Peg uh, gave him. But once she gets off the phone with her nosy neighbor, she comes in to help him. Watching him gingerly trying to put on those pants. It just, oh, God, you feel so bad for him. Oh. All the neighbors descend upon the house. They're circling around like vultures. And then uh, Peg's husband, Bill, played by Alan Arkin, and son, Kevin, come home. Kim is away on a camping trip with friends. And they sit down with Edward to have dinner. And Edward is on the struggle bus trying to eat with his scissor hands. But he's trying his best. He's trying to pick up his little utensils and all. Wouldn't you, like, tie a spoon around it? Like, here. No, I'd just be like, just stab it, man. You got this? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't. Huh? I wouldn't have even put peas on his plate. I know. <laughs> I was messed up. <laughs> um, maybe give him a straw. Stuck up the peas in the straw. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's been eating living in the mansion. Oh, that's all I thought about. <laughs> I don't know if we want to know. Probably not. Probably pigeons. Whatever <laughs> through the hole. Oh, my God. We think too much. That's our problem. I know. This great fantasy film. We're like poking holes in it. I'm just like, oh, how does he go to the bathroom? You know? <laughs> um, later that night, Peg puts Edward in bed in Kim's room. Why the hell you'd put a man with scissors for hands on a water bed? I don't know, but whatever. Um, but the house is so, like, where else are you going to put him? The, the minimalistic. I, I thought I was the only one that thought about this. Like, this house looks. Like, it's staged to sell. Like, there's nothing in it. Like, no personal nothing. Right. Like That's, like, the only, like, in her bedroom, maybe, or in their bedrooms. But, like, I just remember being kind of set back by how clean and weird and empty everything was. And Sam finally said, have you ever seen a house that was really like this? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, maybe we just don't know, like, normal people. But, no. (laughs) I was like, there's just nothing that says people live here. Nothing. I mean, that is tell. kind of scary. That is kind of off-putting, I guess. Yeah. I do like it. To, you don't really notice it until later, but I like the fact that Kim has a bunch of cutouts around her mirror, which is very, like, a t- teenage girl thing to do, but I think it's a good um, reflection of Edward and his cutouts. Yes. But that was a good touch. And like you said, one of the very few personal touches in this house. It, yeah. That's so sterile. Her room is the only one that's kind of, like, lived in. Right. Bright and shiny. Right. Um, the next morning, we all see the men in the neighborhood leave for work. And 
Meanwhile, Peg is trying to put makeup on Edward to help cover his scars. She <laughs> she has a little clip in his hair and is slathering all sorts of shit on his face. It's so funny. She has like little spatulas just Yeah, you can hear her <laughs> glopping it, scraping it across his face. John, this stuff. <laughs> she uh has she got she has such a big heart, bless her. She's just she's trying. Mm-hmm. Um, we later see Edward and Bill in the backyard trimming the hedges while Bill gets distracted listening to a baseball game on the radio Edward trims one of their bushes into a big dinosaur Peg checks the answering machine to find that her nosy neighbors have filled the entire tape with messages Bill kicks back in the lawn chair with a beer and lets Edward create more topiaries from the hedges he does a little like their whole family out of hedges is cute uh, one of the neighbors, Esmeralda, shows up in the backyard and accuses Edward of being straight from hell. She's a Bible-thumping, organ-playing wackadoo. Edward approaches her, but she runs off. All the other women in the neighborhood show up at the front door and invite themselves over for a barbecue to meet Edward. Esmeralda is still hollering her fire and brimstone nonsense, but everyone just laughs it off and says they'll be back in the evening for the barbecue. Yeah, nobody defends him or anything. They're just like, oh, that's Esmeralda. Oh, that's Esmeralda, yeah. Edward helps Peg in the kitchen prepare for the party, chopping vegetables. When Peg uses the can opener, Edward watches the machine and it causes him to have a flashback. And we see the inventor when he was alive, played by Vincent Price. Burton said that he wrote the role specifically for Vincent. And the inventor, yeah. The inventor has a large conveyor belt machine making cookies, like I had mentioned earlier, and he pulls a heart cookie from the conveyor belt and holds it up to a machine chopping ingredients in the corner. And we see the impetus for Edward's created creation. Um, so, yeah, that's probably why he has scissors for hands, because that he kind of built it in reverse, like this chopping mechanism machine. And turned but he it. just kind of used what he had, essentially. Right. right. Except for the body parts see i need more (laughs) he just like took a hard left turn from making cookies into like alchemy i guess (laughs) so that evening the barbecue is in full swing and everyone is being super friendly to edward especially joyce who is clearly trying to fuck him so creepy She's like supposed to be like the most villainous character, and you're like, yeah. I love that. I love because I like her as an actress, and like watching her, and then like watching her on the ranch. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. (laughs) But I love the yellow jumpsuit that she wears to the barbecue, and the ambrosia salad. Like, this is so me. You know, I think it's because it doesn't freak me out because I'm not saying it's normal and doesn't make me uncomfortable sometimes, but. If you really think about it, that's what it's like being around here. Yeah. Like, everybody's up in your business. Everybody's all up in everybody's shit. And it's just something I'm, I don't know, I'm just used to. That's true. Uh, Everyone's clamoring for Edward's attention. And, like, despite being friendly, there's a very ominous and suffocating feeling to everyone's behavior. And you feel really bad for Edward. Like Lacey said, is that everyone's in each other's business and that's normal for them, but Edward's like, oh, this is a lot. Yeah. Like, that's a big jump to go from being completely isolated to this where everyone's like, hey, you know. Not to mention there's like six bitches standing around him with like serving spoons, shoving shoveling it yeah. in his face. Ugh. <laughs> uh, we get another quick flashback back of the inventor reading to Edward. He's reading about etiquette and then he was reading poetry and we see Edward like smile for the first time. It's really cute. He's like, yeah, you can smile. It's funny. Go ahead. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I love Vincent Price so much. Uh, later that night, Kim arrives home from her camping trip and she goes to her room and begins to undress, not realizing Edward is there in her bed. She finally sees him in the vanity mirror and screams in terror, scaring Edward, making him poke more holes in the waterbed and waking up everyone in the house. Peg tries to calm Kim down and explain, 
while Bill sets Edward up in a hide-a-bed in the basement. He pours Edward a drink of some kind of liquor while... Wait, before you go. This cup that he pours this into? I have these cups. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I have the goose cups. Is it the goose cups? I didn't even notice. The goose cups. Oh my god, the goose cups. We totally had a goose-themed kitchen when we were little. No, this is something different. These are like can like Canada geese, goose oh. cups, like a wilderness scene type cups. They were uh. they're mar- <laughs> they're marital assets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picture. You know what type of ge- geese I'm I was know picturing. Picture. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I feel like there was like a whole generation of people who had like those white geese with like the ribbon around their neck themed and then everyone transitioned into everyone having rooster kitchens oh yeah your kitchen and we're starting to transition into owls everyone has everything owls it's like what fucking bird did your parents hyperfixate on when you were growing up ah true um where was i oh so he pours edward some liquor and he just calls it lemonade and Edward can't pick up his glass, so Bill gives him a straw. And he takes a drink. The whole time, Bill's just rambling about what it's like raising a teenage girl. What's he say? He says something about, like, their glands blow up or something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> God, Bill. Um, Edward takes a drink, and then he, like, is struggling to breathe from the burn of the alcohol. And Bill's just like, good, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bill. He's like can't breathe. <laughs> so Peg brings Kim downstairs to meet Edward properly. Um, but Edward must have gotten lit like really fast because he just collapses right at the woman's feet. Poor Edward. Poor Edward. I love if you watch in that scene when Edward collapsed. If you look at Bill in the background, he's just like asleep, propped up against the bar. On- <laughs> 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 Thanks, Bill. You're very helpful. The next day, Edward is trimming Joyce's hedges, which is not a euphemism. Um, but he's cutting them into a shape of swans. And Joyce kicks her yappy little dog for barking too much, which I'd never noticed before until this last viewing, where she's like, you can hear it go, yep! Aww. Uh, she pours Edward a glass of real lemonade, but thinking it's more liquor, Edward gets sick at the mere mention of it. He, like, runs away. No, he just, like, no, he just bends over and pukes on her feet. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> uh, Kevin takes Edward in for show and tell at school, and he's a big hit. Kim, her friend, and her boyfriend, Jim, played by Anthony Michael Hall, walk through the neighborhood and talk about their distaste for Ed- Edward's hedge art, which now dons everyone's yards. Anthony Michael Hall's transformation from geek to jock will never Holy not shit. freak me out. No shit. It's so weird. <laughs> um, Edward calls out for Kim as they walk by and Jim makes fun of him. Because he's a dick. There's an awkward dinner scene with the Boggs family, Jim and Kim's friend. Um, they talk about how rich Jim's parents are and Bill tells Edward... He should be charging people money for his lawn art. Edward accidentally drops a slab of meat in Kim's lap. He apologizes, but she excuses herself, and Edward looks embarrassed as Jim laughs at him. Fuck Jim. Fuck Jim. So basically, we've established that Jim is an asshole. (laughs) Like, so much that I don't even like his girlfriend. (laughs) No. Yeah, you kind of were wondering, like, what's the appeal here, Kim? Right, yeah. Kim and Jim. Ugh, gross. One day while cutting a neighbor's hedge, Edward gives, uh, begins giving the neighbor's shaggy dog a haircut. And just like his lawn art, the haircut turns out great. Well, subjectively. I would never make my dog look like what he made that dog look like, but it's a good <laughs> haircut. Um, and soon everyone in town brings Edward their dogs to groom. And Joyce asks Edward to cut her hair. And he does this weird, like, asymmetrical, very unique style, and Joyce loves it. And soon all the ladies get their hair done as well, including Peg. 
Helen takes Edward to a hardware store to sharpen his hands. Outside the shopping center, he sees Kim and Jim, and he stares longingly at her. Clearly just madly in love with her. And later, when Edward gets home, he finds Kim and Jim locked out of the house, so he uses his scissors to pick the lock. And Jim comments on what a good job Edward did with the lock and asks him to holler for them when Peg gets home. Um, so that little tidbit pays off later with Jim noting that he can pick locks. Right. So, I also wanted to mention that the Southgate Shopping Center, where they're at, mm-hmm. is almost identical to the Southgate sh- Shopping Center where we used to live. It's creepy. Where you used to live where? In Newark. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I thought you were about to say something about, like, Southgate Shopping Center. When you used to go to Florida, I'd be like, yeah, Lacey, because that's in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, just in Nurk. Hmm. Hydrating. Pardon me. Um, next, we see Edward and Peg being featured on a local talk show while Kim, Jim, and Kevin watch from home. The studio, audience, the studio audience ask Edward several questions, including if he has a girlfriend. And Jim and Kevin tease Kim that she's Edward's girlfriend. But before Edward can answer, he accidentally cuts the mic wire with his hands and electrocutes himself. And the show quickly cuts to commercial. And Jim and Kevin laugh while Kim is concerned for Edward's well-being. But turns out Edward is fine. Um. Joyce takes Edward to a local salon that she has seemingly purchased or plans on purchasing for them to run together. And she shows him to the back room and tries to seduce him. But he runs away and Joyce is pissed. The look on his face when he is running away cracks me up like, oh, holy shit, get me out of here. I love how he runs too because he can't like pump his arms like normal people when they walk fast. So his hands are just off to the side like, That was so stupid of her to do. She could, he could have made her some big bank. Right. He also could have cut the fuck out of her if they actually had done anything. Like, Oh, she doesn't care. Clearly. I, lo- I do love her outfit in this scene. That, like, blue jumpsuit number. I love all of her outfits. <laughs> um, so Edward meets with the Boggses at a restaurant nearby, and he straight up tells them what happens. But and everyone is just like, uh, but Bill isn't even paying attention. He's more interested in talking about business. And the women are just like, um, okay, we're just not going to mention the fact that Joyce took off all her clothes. Ugh. That's Joyce. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, Edward goes to the bank for a business loan, but they turn him down since he has no credit history. Um, I don't know why they just don't do a loan under Joyce's name or the Boggs's name or something. I don't, whatever. Um, meanwhile, Jim has concocted a plan to use Edward's lockpicking skills to rob his parents so he can buy a van. They Which lie to so Ed- easily convinces freaking Kim. Don't you want to have a van? We can book it. Yeah, right. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> this Whoa, is the girl. Lacey hates Kim hour. <laughs> it really is. I really do. Oh god. Um, they lie to Edward and tell him that he's helping them retrieve items that have had been stolen from them. So to make Edward agree to help. Um, but when they break in, they trigger an alarm and quickly ditch Edward despite Kim's protests. The cops arrive and ask Edward to come out with his hands up. They see his scissor hands and think he's holding a weapon. Uh, Before they can shoot him, the neighbors come out and explain that those are his hands. So they cuff him and take him to jail. And he's released the following morning and is met with a news crew at the Boggs' house. But they avoid him. Um, Kim comes to Edward to check on him and thank him for covering for them. And Edward admits that he knew it was Jim's house all along, but he agreed to do it because Kim asked him to. Which, Kim, don't you feel like a piece of shit? Oh, shit. I love that scene. The parents are, like, confronting him. Damn those TV programs! Damn them all to hell! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at the prison. 
And then when before he leaves, the cop is like, you can tell the cop is actually genuinely concerned for him. He's like, you gonna be all right, buddy? I worry about you. Yeah. That cop is like the only decent person in that fucking neighborhood other than the Boggses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk more about him later. Um, where was I? Oh, Jim shows up and Kim tells him he needs to tell the truth, but he refuses. I guess he, the, he, Jim got his dad to drop the charges to not press charges because he's like said that he was an R word. Um, but Edward is watching them talk, even though they're fighting. Edward is jealous of Jim and is frustrated and he claws at the bogs, walls and curtains in anger. That night at dinner, Bill scolds Edward and tries to teach him about ethics, but it just dissolves into a huge argument among the family. Um, the women of the neighborhood call one another to gossip about Edward and the Boggses, and Joyce tells everyone that Edward had tried to rape her, uh, but that she escaped. So they all resolve to not go to the Boggses' Christmas party. Um, the the Boggs prepare for their party, and Kim goes outside to find Edward carving an ice sculpture. His carving makes pieces of ice fly through the air like snow, and Kim dances among the falling, falling flakes. She approaches Edward, but Jim appears and startles him, making Edward accidentally cut Kim's hand. And Jim yells at Edward and tells him to leave, so Edward walks away. And Jim and Kim argue, and Kim breaks up with him and tells him to go away. Bill, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, he's up on up on the roof just singing Christmas carols and completely clueless as the drama going on below him. I do love her Christmas dress. That white dress is gorgeous. Yeah. Um I love the score too. That that's like the classic. The home alone. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. Everything always reminds me of home alone whenever I hear something like that, but I actually um, read that they used a bunch of the score from Edward Scissorhands and a bunch of trailers for other movies. I, yes! Mm-hmm. Yes! Makes yeah. no sense. Um, we see Edward angrily walking through the neighborhood. He tears off his clothes and hacks at the topiaries that he passes in frustration. He even deflates a tire. Then he cuts a hedge and this is like the, the most badass thing that Edward does in this whole movie. He cuts a head to look like a demon face to scare Esmeralda, which kills me. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I love how he shreds his clothes off. I'm like, how many takes to tut take? Like, how did they do that? I How did they do that? There's so many things involving his hands. I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? I think somebody was like back there yanking it off. Just like invisible strings. Just Yeah. Like he, he, he probably did manage to get a snip and all he had to do was get one good one and they'd yank it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, the police arrive at the Boggs' house looking for Edward because fucking, I think Helen or somebody called the cops on him. Um, but finding him not there, they go out looking for him. Kim and Peg wait at home and Peg says she regrets bringing Edward home with her and that it, it would have been better if he had just... It'd probably be better if he went back to the mansion. But she says it in a way. She's just like, you know, for his sake. It was bad. Right. He brought him down. Um, where was I? Oh, she, Peg and Bill leave to go look for Edward, leaving Kim alone at the house. Edward dodges the police and comes back to the boxes and is greeted by Kim. She asks Edward to hold her, but he says, I can't. Despite this, Kim wraps her arms around Edward and puts her head on his chest. Ugh. And we... It's <laughs> so sad. We see another flashback of Edward and the inventor as the inventor shows Edward a pair of hands he intends on attaching to him. But as Edward admires the hands, the inventor collapses and passes away. So depressing. So then look, depressing. Watching the, like, the light just like leave Vincent's face. He's such a good actor. He's so, so good, I know. Yeah. This was, I'd have to look, but the, I'm pretty sure this was his last movie before he really? passed. Oh, uh, let me double check that. Hello, man, right? No, oh. I'm sorry, I'm talking to my computer. <laughs> <laughs> 
have you ever seen the um while this is loading the short film that tim burton made the stop motion animation one called vincent that's narrated by vincent price Ooh, i don't think so it's really cute it's just about like uh, this little goth kid who's obsessed with creepy stuff oh no i was wrong no because of he was on a couple other things before he passed he, he narrated an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures in 91. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did a voice in Thief of the Co- and the Cobbler. I knew that. That movie was in production for like 47 years, so who could fucking say? Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, Jim and Denny drink in Denny's van. And Jim demands that... Denny drive him to Kim's house despite Denny being super drunk and Kevin meanwhile leaves his friend's house and heads home and Denny's van swerves dangerously through the neighborhood and Edward looks out the window and sees the danger and runs out and tackles Kevin out of the way before he can get to, uh, hit by the van but in doing so he accidentally cuts Kevin's face and the whole town descends upon Edward like an angry mob Jim tackles Edward, and Edward cuts Jim's arm in self-defense. The police officer arrives, and Kim tells Edward to run. Edward runs to the mansion with the cop and the whole town in pursuit. Once they reach the gates of the mansion, the cop lets Edward get away and tells the people in in the mob to just leave him be. Now, I wanted to point something out that probably was not intentional, and the reason I say it probably wasn't intentional because... Like I've mentioned in previous episodes, Tim Burton is on record of being a racist piece of shit. Um, But I do like the fact that the only sane member of this neighborhood is the cop. Right. The cop is the only person of color in the whole fucking town. Right. Oh, my God. I guess I never really thought about that. Yeah. No, I I, I think it didn't. I didn't. I didn't notice that yesterday. But everybody else is like, kill the beast. (laughs) (laughs) I like your little singing there. That was cute. (laughs) It reminded me of Forrest Gump, too. She's like, run. Right. Run, Forrest. (laughs) Speaking of which, ooh, that's a a bad segue, but um, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about that um, comparing edward to a character like forrest um that there are a lot of people who consider this film an allegory for autism ah. um you know with edward's you know learning about emotions and interacting yeah. with people and his savant abilities yeah um which i was thinking about the last time i watched it but i I read about it too. And I was glad that I was like, that it wasn't just something that I was perceiving. That is something that people interpret. Maybe too. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I just think, I always, I didn't think of it as anything like that. I just compared the innocence of the characters like Forrest Gump. And yeah, totally. Uh, the angry mob ignores the cop and they go up to the mansion. <laughs> But Kim reaches the mansion first, and she runs inside looking for Edward, finding him upstairs. How did she get there first, can I ask? I don't know, she probably ran, and the rest of the mob was just... Oh, yeah, they were singing. (laughs) (laughs) They were marching in time. Um... They, Kim and Edward nearly kiss, but are interrupted by Jim, who shoots at Edward. Um, do they show where the fuck Jim gets a gun? Mm, no. I don't Fingers. think so. Anyway, Jim has a gun now. <laughs> he shoots at Edward. Um, he misses, but the bullet makes part of the roof crumble onto Edward's head. And then Jim begins kicking and beating him. And Kim fights Jim off and threatens to kill him if he doesn't stop. But Jim backhands her and pushes her down. Edward goes to her and Jim goes to attack him again. And Edward just turns around, stabs him in the fucking chest, and pushes him out a window. As he should have done. 
a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's just it's the first overtly like it's the first time he's hurt someone on purpose and it's just so it's dark but it's so powerful. The look mm-hmm. on his face and just the intention just like fuck you. It, oh, so good. Um the crowd is getting closer. Edward turns to Kim and tells her goodbye. And they kiss and she tells Edward I love you. Which made me a little misty-eyed, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Aww. She runs back downstairs and she finds a spare scissor hand hanging among the machinery. So she goes outside and tells the town people that the roof caved in on him and that he's dead, showing the scissor hand as proof. And satisfied, the crowd disperses. Na, 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 na. <laughs> no, and okay so the dead guy's laying on the ground right beside them and they right. all just walk away they're like oh yeah they're just like budging <laughs> everyone in the town probably was like yeah he's a dickhead who cares yeah exactly um we cut back to the original framing device of old winona writer telling the story and she says that she never saw him again after that night And her granddaughter asks why she doesn't go up there to see him. And she says that she wants Edward to remember her the way she was. And she explains that before Edward came, it never snowed. But now every year it does. And that sometimes you can still catch her dancing in it. And we see Edward, still the same age, carving ice sculptures and making snow. And one of the sculptures looks just like him. It is kind of weird that she never went back up there. Well, no, that's what I was going to say, like, the vanity. Like, oh, I can't have him see me. Look at him. How do you think he looks 30 years later? 40, 50. Do you think he's going to care that you look like a piece of leather? No. Well, I think the point being that he won't age. That's true. They never could have been together because she would have just aged and passed away. And he probably never would have stayed there the whole time. Yeah, we do get a good enough glimpse of glimpse of him. He looks exactly the same. Yeah. So probably for the best, but at the same time, it would have been really hard for me not to just like. Also, the fact that she still lives in that neighborhood, I would have gotten the fuck out of there. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. He makes it snow for her. She don't leave because of him. Oh. oh, that's true. Sam's like, how much ice does it take to cover the town? Like, how much ice does he have up there? And where does he get it? And I'm like, where does question. he get it? That's a good question. Yeah. Very good. And how many people got injured making this movie? I don't know. Why? Do you think there were real scissors, Lacey? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, like, total impalement. But you can't tell me nobody got slapped in the face with one of those fuckers in all that time. Well, I'm sure they were made out of, like, rubber. No. You think? I'm pretty... Hold on. I, I read about it. Hold on. Like, I had genuine concern about this. Like, somebody had to have gotten whacked in the face with one of these fuckers. <laughs> There's the magic of freaking sound editing, because they sound real. <laughs> They go clickety-clank when he moves his hands. (laughs) To construct the scissor hands, Stan Winston and his team searched for every different kind of pruning shear and scissors ever made. If viewers look at Edward's hands, notice that each finger looks much different from the next. Once the final design was established, many sets of the scissors hands were then made. Most of them were very safe, lightweight resin blades, Vacuum vacuumetalized to give them the appearance of metal, but were in fact, but there were in fact a few real ones constructed for insert shots. So I think most of the time he was wearing just like resin lightweight ones, but then for close-up shots there were real metal ones. Wiping my brow. Wow, good deal. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. If I was Johnny, I would have pulled a, a um, Tony Todd. And been like, for every time I get cut by these hands, I get an extra thousand dollars. Yeah, no shit. Tony Todd did that for the movie Candyman. He's like, oh yeah, I'll put a bunch of live um, honeybees in my mouth. But for every time I get stung, I get a thousand dollar bonus. And he got stung 23 times. 
Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Todd ain't fucking around. He's smart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'd be worth it. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh but man. That's I scary. made. <laughs> I made mom watch. Mom has a thing about like swarms of bugs. Um, swarms of anything like really freak mom out, and I've forgot to mention that part to her so there's that scene in Candyman. he opens up his coat and his whole chest is just filled with uh, with bees and he opens his mouth and it's filled with bees and he kisses helen and they, they go into helen's mouth and mom's uh. just like ah! <laughs> <laughs> i Why didn't did know that was the thing yeah. yep that and black eyes she hates all white eyes or all black eyes oh me too not the white white doesn't really bother me but black really will make me piss down my leg oh that's interesting because that's a big thing in supernatural oh no thank you you <laughs> yourself right out of a <laughs> but you get desensitized to it because it's re- it's literally all the time like if they're if someone is possessed by a demon their eyes are black and it's like all the time you get really desensitized by it and it's like shitty CW. Have I ever desensitized by a possum? <laughs> I stare at him and I'm still scared. No, oh, that's true. I have my triggers that nothing will desensitize me, so. Bears opening doors? Oh! <laughs> I love bears. I don't know how we're so different. You hate bears and hate possums, and I love them both so much. Uh, no. Ugh. That's so funny. Um, let's see. Let's have my notes here. Oh, okay. So the budget of the film was twenty million dollars, and it made eighty-six million dollars at the box office. It was very well received by critics. In fact, Edward Scissorhands is Burton's second highest-rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. It of the movies he's directed. Not of what he's produced, but of the movies he's directed. There's only one other movie that is rated higher than Edward Scissorhands. Wow. Can you guess what it is? No. <laughs> she said no. <laughs> um, Ed, Ed Wood has 92% and Edward Scissorhands has 90%. Really? Hmm? I don't know if I've ever watched Ed Wood. It's really good. You should watch it. I feel like I have, but I remember nothing about it, so maybe not. The highest, I love this, this tickles me, the highest rated of all of his movies that he's produced, designed, been involved with whatsoever, has a 95%, and guess what it is? What? Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, duh. Yeah. Uh, I've already watched that like four times in the last week. (laughs) Um, It goes Nightmare Before Christmas, Ed Wood, James and the Giant Peach, which again, he just produced, Edward Scissorhands. Frankenweenie, which has an 87%. I didn't really? know anyone. Yeah, I didn't think anyone liked that movie. Not the original short film, but the new one that he made in 2012. Yeah. Um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure has an 87%, and then Sweeney Todd, and then Beetlejuice. And then all the way down. Huh? Uh, Sweeney Todd comes before Beetlejuice? Yes. Get the fuck out of here. By one percentile. Huh. It's 86 to 85. You're not a fan of Sweeney Todd? No. I take it you haven't listened to our episode? <laughs> uh, that'd be a no. I mean, I'll give you the download, but I, I don't know. I won't keep up with it. I won't know. I don't know. I don't like it. Too long, too long, too long. <laughs> oh, man. And then all the way down at... Uh... Sixty-nine percent is Sleepy Hollow, which we're doing. <laughs> I love Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I'm surprised it has such a low rating. To be honest, I like it for what it is. It's good. I mean, it's just like trashy, campy, gothic horror. It's and it serves. So yeah. What is his lowest rated movie? <laughs> Not shocked at all. A twenty-eight percent Alice Through the Looking Glass. <laughs> Oh, Lord, save me. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. I don't even, I haven't even seen Alice Through the Looking Glass. I saw Alice in Wonderland and hated it, and I'm like, nope, I'm good. I didn't hate the first one, but I didn't like the second one, for sure. Oh, I hated the first one. I went to see a midnight showing of it, and I was so mad that I would stay up and waited in line to see it. 
Well, I'm sorry guys, we had some technical difficulties and Lacey and I got disconnected. So that is unfortunately the end of our conversation about Edward Scissorhands. Thank you for listening. If you click the link tree link in the episode description, it will take you to all of our show's social media pages, where I encourage you all to follow and get in touch with us. If you have any comments, questions, requests, etc., you can message us on social media or email email us at wearetheweirdopodcast at gmail.com. Also in the episode description, you will find a link that will take you to our support page. There you can make a one-time donation or sign up for a monthly patronage. Any little bit helps tremendously. If you can help us financially, you can help us uh, by sharing the podcast with your friends and followers to help us broaden our audience. And an extra big thank you, as always, to my dear loyal listeners that come back for every episode and support us. We appreciate you so much. Thank you again uh, to Lacey for joining me. And until next time, we are the Weirdos, mister.